Hello, and welcome to I Don't Know What I'm Talking About. I didn't get to meet Ryan Reynolds on Tuesday, but I did get the part in Kinky Boots I went for, despite having lost my voice for the audition. Welcome back. What day is it? What day does this go out? Monday. Monday. Did you have a nice weekend? I had a, I had a nice weekend. Um, I performed at a concert this weekend, which will have gone, it will have been and gone by time you listen to this. But as I'm recording, it's happening tonight. This is the weirdest thing, recording a podcast in advance of, of things happening in life. I can tell you I'm about to do things, but I haven't actually done them yet. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm hoping it's going to be all right. As I mentioned at the very beginning, I I did completely lose my voice last week. So after I recorded the last episode and I was talking about having a cold and it being um, a very stressful situation because I had obviously was about to have the audition for Kinky Boots and stuff. I actually on the day of the audition completely lost my voice Uh, and I've I've, it's kind of back now. And I, I am supposed to be performing in a concert tonight where I'm going to be singing uh, Heaven on the Minds from Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a song that I sung as Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, which, as I've mentioned, is, is quite a high a high song. It's like a rock tenor song to sing. I should be all right. I've got a, a drink of hot water, honey, lemon and ginger here. It's very good for the throat. Uh, so I should be all right for tonight. But yeah, I, I got the part of Charlie in Kinky Boots, which is another kind of rock tenor style singing. But I had no voice. How does one do that? Well, I did. Um, I have done shows for them before. Like I said, I played Judas for them in Jesus Christ Superstar. So they kind of know what my ability already is. And I managed to do the acting auditions. But I, I just did it in a much deeper kind of just like this. I was talking like this, which is not how it, it, it eventually will sound. Hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood. Uh, I'm not superstitious. Um, and I had, as I think I previously mentioned, I had already sent in a self-tape, uh, a, a, a video audition of me singing the songs from, from when my voice was okay. So I think they kind of made the decisions after that. So yeah, come April, uh, April 2024... I will be playing Charlie in Kinky Boots, presented by Crew Amateur Musical Society at the Lyceum Theatre in Crew. Get your tickets. I'll put the link in my link tree. Uh, and yeah, buy your tickets if you want to come and see me play Charlie in Kinky Boots. Um, and didn't get to meet Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he wasn't even at the game. He wasn't there at all. I feel like if he was there, I might have met him. There were quite a few. So where we were felt very prestigious. Apparently, the tickets for this for this event are quite expensive. I didn't have to pay because my employers dealt with all that, which is like a, like I said in the last episode, wonderful, great guys. They dealt with that whole thing, and Ryan Reynolds just simply wasn't there. But it was it's kind of like a mid season. It was a it was a Tuesday night mid season cup game that wasn't wholly important in the grand scheme of of the football tournaments so i'm told i don't really follow football that religiously but i went because i wanted the chance to meet ryan reynolds because i'm an absolute sycophant and uh borderline stalker so yeah i didn't get to meet ryan reynolds but apparently the last game of the season is crew versus wrexham in crew so fingers crossed it might be likely that 
he could be there. So again, I'm going to try and get tickets to that or a freebie from work. We'll see what happens, shall we? And that's about as much as anything that's happened with me this week. What I will say is uh, in the last episode, which went out on Friday, let me just preface this by saying this is this is largely for the royalists out there, people who really love the royal family. I've got nothing against the royal family. I don't hate them. I don't even really want them to be disbanded. That was all said completely tongue-in-cheek. But what you have to remember also is when I'm recording this podcast, when I'm delivering this podcast, I am under uh, a certain amount of pressure to be able to create something that is worthy of posting. I got taxes and I felt... my, My brain just wasn't fully engaged and I just started talking about whatever I was talking about and off on tangents. I, I I actually was making myself cringe when I was when I was editing this and listening to it back. I I said something like, I I pay taxes so that the royal family can exist. I don't pay taxes so that they can exist. I pay taxes so that they can live a sort of more extravagant life. Which I guess isn't still isn't like the best, I I think. Um I also said that king charles doesn't pay for anything of course it is the taxpayers money that goes towards it but they still have to buy those things you know if they want milk the farmer has to be paid if they want um, meat the butcher has to be paid if they want dry cleaning then the dry cleaners have to be paid. you know what i mean people still have to make a living off doing things for the royal family they don't they don't just do it for nothing so i don't know why i suggested that King Charles doesn't pay for anything. He, he clearly does, but it's done by, I think, probably, I'm speaking, as I said, as I stated in the last episode, I'm speaking from a complete place of ignorance. It will be like an external source that pays them, and it'll be via our taxpayers' money. All I was saying is I would, pro- I would prefer my taxpayers' money go towards, as I said, NHS, mental health charities, any kind of more worthy cause than... than I think, than the royal family, personally. Children who are starving because they can't afford school meals. Happily send my tax that way. Do it. Go. My 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 point exclusively was, I would rather my taxpayers' money go towards something better, more worthy than the royal family. That Those are my personal thoughts. I think I just went a weird way around explaining it it was a little bit jarring to listen to back when I was editing it. And I was like, oh, people are not going to like this. Especially the royalists out there. And I know a few. Um, my wife being one of them and her mum. But as I said, I'm not really thinking properly when I'm making these podcasts. I just get given a subject and it's like, right, talk about it now. And I have to talk about it. Sometimes my mouth goes off on tangents that my brain just doesn't quite keep up with. So... If anyone is offended by any of the comments I said about the royal family in the in the previous episode, then I do apologise. I feel like I've explained myself. Let's spin the wheel for the first time today, shall we? The topic is mules. Mules. Um. Right. I. See, this is this is one of those things that I immediately. I I hear about I hear mule. And I'm going one of two different ways. I mean, I'm either going to be talking about drugs, drugs mules, 
Um, or a book that I read in school about a dinosaur. So <laughs> this is so weird. Um, so there was a book that I read in school. And I think if I recall, I only read the opening chapter. There was a dinosaur on the front cover. And I was like, oh, I think I'll enjoy this book. And I think it was a book about, I can't remember what it was called. I can't remember who wrote it. It was in the library at my school. And on the front cover was like a velociraptor or something, just some, some kind of dinosaur. And I think it was basically about this dinosaur that had somehow survived the extinction of the dinosaurs and had been living in this cave or or, or had been surviving in this cave over millions of years, obviously reproducing and then keep going until present day. And in the opening chapter... You know how like in these disaster books where like in the opening chapter it sets a precedent by creating a disaster and th there was this I don't know I guess he was like a farmer making his way up the side of this mountain comes past this cave where clearly this dinosaur has been living and gets attacked and he's with his mule and his mule sadly gets uh gets torn apart by the by the Velociraptor, and I distinctly also remember that, it, considering I think this was a kid's book, I think there was some some description in the way of the dinosaur had slashed the mule's throat, and now the blood was, there was like a stream of blood coming down the hillside where the man had just come from, that was, <laughs> that was where my mind immediately went to, as is a mule... I think a mule is, isn't that like where, you know, you get like these animal hybrids. So um, I think I, I'm going to Google this shortly. I won't do it just yet, but because it will make for more entertaining listening if I just try and make it up on the spot. I think a mule is a hybrid of a, a donkey and a horse. I might be completely wrong here. Is it where there's, because I've heard also of a dorse, which I think is a male donkey, and female horse, but I think a male horse and a female donkey is a mule. I might be completely wrong here. I'm not going to say the word out loud that everyone's thinking because uh, it's uh, offensive, and I'm not ready to say that on the podcast just in case anyone does get offended. Because you get like ligers and tigons. Liger is a a, a male lion and a female tiger and a tigon is a male tiger and female lion and these animals genuinely exist they're you know people whether rightly or wrongly have bred them so that have you ever seen a liger by the way ligers are huge they are gigantic I'll, I'll post a picture on the instagram of a liger I, I i'm guessing they're only i was gonna say they're only available that's completely the wrong word to use they only exist in captivity because it's a decision that a person has made to create uh, an animal which in the wild w would never exist because those animals a don't live in the same environment and b wouldn't uh wouldn't co-inhabit uh, you know they wouldn't mate go to uh at don't know what pod on instagram and i'll post a picture of a liger i i uh, and see uh, see one next to a human, they are gigantic. Bigger than any tiger I've ever seen, bigger than any lion I've ever seen. They're huge. So mules. The other path I was going to try and head down was like drugs mules. I don't know anything about drugs. I, here's the thing about me. 
I have never done a drug in my life. I have been told off for this before now. This is something someone has told me off for. Uh, And I think actually the conversation went something along the lines of, no, I've never done drugs. And this guy replied to me, what, not even just like a line of coke? And I was like, no, I have not. And he was like, what? And he got genuinely upset about this. And he was like, sorry, what? So you're telling me you've... You've like you've just never done, just like even like just like a line of coke. I was like, no. I personally find it more baffling that you have, than I think you should find it that I haven't. Clearly, we're not on the same wavelength here. And then he started talking about how he started getting really pedantic because he was like, so you've never done any drugs? And I was like, no, I've never done any drugs. I, it's just something I don't want to put these things in my body because I just don't like like I've like I said I've told you my my thoughts on tobacco and alcohol these are things I don't want to put in my body and then he started saying but, uh, do you drink coffee and I was like yeah I love coffee and he's like when the, you drink caffeine that's a drug I'm like okay fair enough that's a drug adrenaline is also a drug I like going on roller coasters like but, well, I'm talking specifically about like class A class B drugs the kind of drugs that are illegal in countries, the kind of drugs that would get me placed in prison if I was caught with a pack of it up my bumhole coming across the border. Those kinds of drugs are the kinds of drugs that I've never done. So yeah, there's a fact about me that maybe you didn't know. I've never done a single drug in my life, and I am buzzing about that. Though There is one story that I have that's quite funny that's um, loosely about drugs. Obviously, I've told you that I do... Amateur Dramatics, one of the first shows I ever did was a, a musical called Rent. It's a brilliant show, you should look it up if you don't know it. Uh, written by Jonathan Larson, who also wrote Tick, Tick, Boom, which you can watch on Netflix. You know, just plugging all these things that I think are great just to fill time on the podcast. But he wrote this musical called Rent, and it's very good. And in this musical, there is a lot of drug use. So in the show, we had prop drugs. We had little bags filled with sherbet to resemble cocaine and one of the uh one of the actors one night after a performance forgot to take their little bag because when you do when you do theater there is a a corner there is a little area in one corner specifically dedicated to props so if you use a prop on stage you will take it back to props corner they'll hold on to it until tomorrow night when you the next time you have to use it again go back on stage with it one person had put it in his pocket forgotten that he put it in his pocket gone back upstairs to get change the show had finished he finds it in his pocket and goes oh god i've left that in my pocket i'll just leave it on the side in my dressing room rather than taking it back to props corner because that's an inconvenience that i don't want he leaves goes home the next morning the cleaners come in to clean the dressing rooms find this little bag of sherbet and hand it over to the police the police got involved all, we almost had to pull the show because, like I said, the, well, the police got involved. They had to test it. We like th- They could have literally dunked a finger, put it on their tongue, and then been like, oh, yeah, that is literally like lemon sherbet. But they had to test it. They had to send it off to forensics. It was like a couple of hours before they were like, yes, this is just sherbet. Like, don't worry. It's not drugs. It was, I think we were about an hour and a half away from where the show opens and we were like we might have to pull the show because the the, the 
police were essentially telling us you're not allowed to do it until we've found out whether you're up to like nefarious activities or not they came they came back with a, a negative it's not drugs it's all right you can go ahead you, you know I, i'm not saying that we couldn't do the show because we didn't have that one little bag of cocaine we couldn't do the show because the police told us you're not allowed to do the show because you, there is a chance there might be a criminal in your cast that's what they were saying it wasn't like we can't do the show without this one small bag of cocaine the police literally said you're not allowed an hour and a half before the show they give us the green light they say yep yeah, it's fine it's sherbet but because it was evidence in a potentially criminal case, they did have to destroy the little bag of sherbet. So we never actually ended up with it back anyway. So yeah, that's a little uh, drugs mule story for you in the on the topic of mules. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I was going to just see what a mule is before I just move on to the next topic. What is a mule? Aha, according to wikipedia the mule is a domestic equine hybrid between a donkey and a horse i got it right it is the offspring of a male donkey a jack and a female horse a mare the horse and the donkey are different species with different numbers of chromosomes of the two possible first generation hybrids between them the mule is easier to obtain and more common than a hinny which is the offspring of a female donkey a jenny and a male horse, a stallion. Oh, so it's not a dorse, like I suggested earlier on. It's a hinny. Um, and I have heard of a hinny, so there were probably people shouting it down the podcast app at me at the time when I said that. Oh, I think, yeah. I think it's a dorse. And then you get like a mule and a dorse. No, you get a mule and a hinny. There we go. I've talked about mules for long enough now. Let's move on to the next topic. Oh my God. This one isn't a topic. This is a question, but I'm going to talk to death about it the question is do ghosts exist my answer is no to be fair that's my answer that's my opinion i don't think ghosts exist do i know that ghosts don't exist no does for example yvette fielding presenter of most haunted famous for her belief in ghosts does she know that ghosts exist no she doesn't she might think she does but she absolutely doesn't because realistically there's no proof either way i can't say yes there are definitely no ghosts and she can't say yes there are definitely ghosts everywhere because there hasn't been a, a legitimate scientific experiment done on it i think the closest we're getting so far is if you've been listening to uncanny by danny robbins he gets a professional skeptic and a professional uh, believer together and they talk about genuine hauntings genuine potentially paranormal things uh, and ghostly happenings and they and they sit down and they talk and they say well it could be this but then it also could be this oh it could be that oh but it could be that and it's very good go and listen to it and he's just just now released which was released on the same day friday the 13th same day as my last episode a tv series on bbc2 called uncanny watch it it's danny robbins he's brilliant and listen to the podcast it's great i have never seen absolutely irrefutable proof of the paranormal what i have seen is a shadow figure quote unquote in a mirror on a video that i was present for that was filmed because here's the thing as well you could show me a million videos on youtube of ghosts caught on camera but i wasn't there for any of them so i can't i can't 
I wouldn't be able to watch those videos and go, oh my god, yeah, that's proof, because I wasn't there. I don't know what the environment was like, I don't know what was happening behind the camera, I don't know whether something's been set up to be fake, I don't know, I don't know anything about the situation, all I know is what's caught on the camera was caught on film and that's the same for any paranormal program most haunted ghost adventures uh, project fear ghost hunters international paranormal lockdown all these shows that i really love watching i can't sit and watch and go yeah this is definitely paranormal because i'm not there do you know what i mean i th- i think with paranormal i think with ghosts i think it has to be a very personal thing it has to be a very personal experience like i said you can't know that something's real if you're not there but with the ghost video caught in the mirror when i was there I was there, and I saw it in real time. But as I've said to you, and as I will continue to say, until I until I can analyse it more deeply, maybe look at some other angles from the from the videos, I it, it doesn't appear as though any of us in the room move in a specific way to have created that shadow. The shadow goes very fast, and it's very dark, and it goes the opposite way to how Emma comes into it. From I've explained this to you before on the podcast. The way I would describe that video is unexplained, but not paranormal. I'm not accepting that it's a ghost until I can find irrefutably no other explanation. A couple of other things have happened to me before in the past. I went to uh, 30 East Drive, supposedly one of the most haunted places in in Europe, uh, as well as the UK. And so this place is quite famous. It's there's a film based on it called When the When the Lights Go Out. It's in Pontefract in Yorkshire. You've probably seen it on if you like ghosts. You've probably seen it on Most Haunted or Paranormal Lockdown. There are quite a few paranormal, but like famous paranormal people have been there and investigated there. The story goes that in the 1960s there was this polt- there was this house and it was sort of possessed by this poltergeist. And this poltergeist, uh, on one occasion, pushed a grandfather clock down the stairs and even more outrageously pulled a teenage girl up the stairs by her hair. So that's why it's one of the most famous haunted buildings in the UK or even Europe. I went and I spent a night there. As I've told you, I like to go to these haunted locations as the skeptic, as the... As the person who who wants to who wants to give a reasonable explanation, but also who kind of wants to find proof of ghosts. So many people believe ghosts exist, and they say they say they've seen proof. I can't take your word for it because that's just anecdotal evidence. I cannot take that as proof when you say, "Oh, I saw a ghost." And that's not to me. That's not me to say you're lying. That's me just saying it didn't happen to me. I can't. I can't take that as evidence. So I will go to these places to try and find my own evidence. And one day, who knows, maybe maybe I'll see a ghost and I'll be like, yeah. To be fair, even then, even if, I th- even if I think I see a ghost, I'd probably still just tell myself it's a hallucination. Which is probably small-minded of me, but we know that hallucinations exist. Scientifically proven hallucinations exist. So, yeah. I feel like I've gone on a tangent. Where was I? So, yes, I was in Pontefract. I was at 30 East Drive, one of the most haunted houses in Britain. There was a big group of us. Everyone was upstairs. I cannot stress this enough. Everybody was upstairs. Every single person that was on that investigation was upstairs. We were all accounted for. I knew for a fact everyone was upstairs. And then we heard these footsteps running through the house, downstairs, like running straight through the house, 
and but like straight through the like they in a straight line but the way that the house is laid out downstairs is you have like a hallway and then there's like a door off to one side into the living room and then a door at the end of the hallway to the kitchen but then between the kitchen and the living room is also a stud wall so there's no real way that anyone could have possibly run through the house in a straight line you would have had to have like heard them go like straight down the hallway then right into the kitchen or like right into the living room then through the hallway but then there's a stud wall there with the door they would have had to have opened and it was like i said it was straight through the house these footsteps hard and fast sprinting through the house you could feel it coming up through the floorboards i was sat on a bed and you could feel it coming up through the bed and i turned to my friend matt at the time and i was like that is weird that is weird and in that moment for for at least a, a, a brief period of time i was a believer i was because we all heard it it wasn't like i just heard it myself so i could have just been hearing things everybody heard it everybody was shook by it it was then about an hour and a half later about half 11 at night the guy who was sort of running the tour of the house said um just so you guys know it's getting a bit late now uh the the woman who lives next door in an attached house by the way the woman who lives next door uh, normally has her grandkids at the weekend so try and keep the sound down they'll probably go in bed soon and then i suddenly thought okay so it's an attached house it's friday she could probably have her grandkids and i've said this before as well if for me it could have been something that we know exists for a fact over something like a ghost or a demon or a poltergeist I would always believe the thing that we know exists. We know that children exist. We know that she sometimes has her kids at the weekend. And we know that, especially in attached houses or terrace houses, sound can travel through the foundations. When he said that, I thought to myself, could it have possibly been the grandkids running up and down the stairs or running through the house next door? It could have been. It could have been. This was cemented for me. Because as well, there was still an air of doubt in my mind because I couldn't fathom how hard and fast these these footsteps were and we could feel them coming through the floorboards. I was like, it has to be in this house. It was about two weeks later, I was at my parents' house and I heard that same thing again. I was alone in the house, sitting on the sofa. Mum and dad's hallway is just to my left. And I heard that sound again. Hard, fast footsteps running towards me as though coming up the hallway, I could feel it coming up through the sofa, and I could feel it coming through, like, feel it in the walls of the house. I looked to my left, there's no one there. Obviously, I'm, I'm alone in the house, but I heard these footsteps. I then heard my mum's next-door neighbour, Steph, shouting at her son, Connor, for running up and down the hallway. Like I said, this is a terrace house, you hear a lot of things coming through these walls. And there and then, that proved it to me. It was definitely Connor that I heard running up and down the hallway next door to my mum and dad. It sounded like someone was running inside my mum and dad's house. I could feel it coming through the floorboards. So, absolutely, it could have been the next door neighbour's kids running up and down the stairs or the hallway. Those sounds and vibrations have just come through the foundations. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but there we go. So that, for me, was kind of like a line in the sand there. As long as it could have been those kids it probably was those kids but like i said i can't prove either way whether ghosts exist or not i don't believe that they do because i've never seen the proof i have seen and experienced things that i can't explain 
but that doesn't mean that they can't be explained in future. And on that note, I'm going to close the podcast. I hope I didn't annoy any paranormal believers. Thank you very, very much for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you're having a good Monday. It's like I, I think I've mentioned before, people look at Monday as, oh, back to work or oh, the weekend's over. But don't look at it like that. Look at it like this is a brand new week, brand new opportunity to be a brand new me. I'll be the same you. You're absolutely winning at life. Just keep doing what you're doing. Smash it. If you've got any comments, questions, topic suggestions, or if you just want to talk about any of the topics that I've talked about on here, on any of the episodes of this podcast, send them my way and I might be able to read them out in some future episodes. If you click the Linktree link in the description of the podcast, I've added some new links on. I've now got a Facebook page you can follow where I'll be posting largely promotion for the podcast, but we'll, you know, it's, it's, it's another little community that we can try and build. Uh, I've also started a YouTube channel. There aren't any videos on there just yet, but the plan is to create videos out of all of the podcasts that I've made and start uploading them onto YouTube just so that there's another avenue for people to be able to listen to the podcast. And maybe in future, I'll try and get around to actually videoing the podcast, like videoing, filming me so you can see that as well and uploading them to YouTube. But I'm not quite there yet. However, for the time being, there is a YouTube channel. Go and subscribe to it if you've got the time. Also, I... I think I mentioned this before, I have actually got around to doing it now, which is fun and quite apt for this podcast as well. Um, I have reimagined my TikTok channel. So I, have a, I have a TikTok channel with almost 60,000 followers. You can go and follow it. It's now called Paranormal Sean. It's where I talk about my love of the paranormal and my my disbelief in ghosts. And on that note, I'll see you next week when I could be talking about literally anything. Goodbye.